Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How are you? We have got through one week of practice matches, and we are getting very close to the start of the season, Jep. Can you believe it? So it's exciting. Yeah, we're getting there. In the Amy Community Series uh, this week, I think we'll get a fair indication of where teams sit for round one with, with you know, pretty much... Uh, coaching staff choosing to select almost the best 22. Obviously, players returning from the injury and interrupted pre-seasons might be held back to round one. But I think we're going to get a fair indication this week. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's the, the beauty of having less practice games and less pre-season games is they only get one shot at it, so they more often than not play their best sites. Okay, we could see plenty of overlap in ownership with what looks like Limited options under 300k to start the year. Your thoughts there, Jeff? Oh, I look, definitely agree with that. There's uh, a lot of rookies had their opportunities uh, on, the, you know, in these practice games, and not many put their hand up, unfortunately. And you know, Chester going down with injury as well didn't didn't help our causes in a line where we probably needed it most. So, yeah, we're going to have our our issues, no doubt. And I just recommend coaches to. Have a bit of money in the wall chest with um, the rolling lockout to, to plan ahead. And, and, you know, if a rookie doesn't get named or is doesn't make the final 22 on the Sunday teams or etc., um, you can have a backup plan and still have a solid starting 22 going forward. Well, that's the thing. We start on a Wednesday night and ran one uh, yep. this year. And their last odd games are obviously Sunday night with West Coast and Gold Coast. So it's really interesting to see how uh, people start with their squads and you really... You know, you don't really want to rely on round one to dictate where you what you where you start um, your players and who you start with, but it's a uh, it's a long week to start with. Jeff. Yeah, and look, as you know, usually the rookie price players are on the extended benches in in those later games, so we're gonna have to read between the lines a little bit. But as as we always say, plan ahead, have a backup plan. Um, most of us will have our team set prior to the Wednesday lockout. It's just what do you do if such and such isn't named or doesn't make the final 22? That's really, really important. Yeah, then we throw the COVID impact into there this year. So obviously <laughs> when teams drop, we, you know, we, we could be missing quite a handful of players. So, yeah, just to, uh, just to the listeners there, I was chatting to Jeff at pre-pod and, and, and uh, I was saying that uh, in my team, just as the practice matches went on, I'd actually just removed nine players from my team. Uh, under 300k because I just had a feeling that they're not going to be up for round one. So that's how much of an impact last week's practice matches did have. But, you know, we get onto this weekend, we'll get a true indication of where certain players lie. Okay, what was clearly evident in the initial practice matches for me, Jeb, was the fact that teams were trying several new looks. So for me, it was, you know... This backs up the consistent theme I heard from the coaches and, and you know coaching staff leading into those games that those practice matches last week was a, definitely an opportunity to trial a few different um, game styles and not only that uh, a few different setups within um, structure setups and a few different uh, players in position. So for me that was a consistent theme leading into those games and obviously some of those games went out you know six quarters and um, there thereabouts four hours worth of gameplay with reserves thrown in there but you know those 
first half of those games, you know, we did see a couple of different looks. Brisbane, I know that they were trying a few different things with with regards to the players in position. So it's just something you really got to keep an eye out for. I wouldn't be too ingrained with what we did see last week. So a lot of people will be. Um, but our edge on this podcast, Jeb, is to take it, you know, pretty much with a grain of salt. We build a player profile for each, and we go, yeah. okay, that happened in a practice match. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes this week in the Amy community. Absolutely. And therefore, we can um, make a decision leading into round one. So for me, what we did see last week is just building, you know, it might be 2% worth of information, just throw it into the profile for a player, just, yep, yeah, okay, we did see that. That's a little bit different, but, you know, just put it in there, park it. Let's see what we see this week, and then we can make some final decisions heading into round one. Thoughts, Chip? Yeah, no, you're 100% right as usual, bud. I, um, I've re-watched a few of the games already, and I'm only really paying attention to the first half. And, look, the, the what I'm looking at is how my primos are moving. Are they moving freely? Do they look fit? And... Obviously, the mid-prices as well and, and which rookies and rookie price players have stood up. So we get a better look at it this week, no doubt. Jeb, I'll tell the listeners exactly what I look at for last week's practice matches. It is pretty much, pretty much, this is what I look at. Okay, who started the initial centre bounces in the game? Because that's yep. a bit of an indicator where, you know, where some players sit. Uh, in the first quarter and the second quarter, that's it. I don't care. That's that, They are the only notes that I take Absolute, down. Absolutely. That I agree, mate. I don't, like, my li- information writing down is just limited to just that. And the other thing that I really look out for, and I do rewind. Obviously, those games are on KO. It was good to rewind back 15 seconds. And I... And I did that uh, throughout each game, and then by the t- I always end up being about 30 minutes to an hour behind the, the actual finish of play live, because I was going back, and I, this is the one thing I really look at, Jeb, is the stoppage structures. So, how yep. many players are at, at the stoppage? You know, who's at the stoppage? And the best indicator for me where the players are on the hunt for the ball is when a ball up goes up or a boundary throw goes up. What is your player that you are interested in doing? Is yeah. it a player that is actually putting a block on their opponent? Or is it a player is it is going hunting for the ball? They're the only things that I'm looking at last week. Jep, thoughts? Yeah, no, it's like you would have noticed then Caldwell not starting at the centre bounces as such, as, mm. as many as we would have liked, but he was the extra midfielder at the stoppages. Like mm. you would have noticed that, I noticed that. And... Although he's not at the centre square um, attendances, I still feel like he's going to have some opportunities and and obviously show a little bit of value. That's not necessarily mean I'm going to pick him, but um, things like that for sure. You you notice it, um, you know who was hot and and who was on a mission. Like I felt like Canelio really has a point to prove. Like he went pretty, you know, in fifth gear, so to speak, in the Pracky game. And I just feel like he's on a on a mission this year to, to prove that the no-sayers or naysayers wrong. So, yeah, stuff like that, the body language, um, who's moving freely. Like, I don't think I've seen Trelaw move that well at this time of year ever. Um, so there's a lot to like about him. Again, not starting at the centre bounces as much as we probably would have thought, but still playing high as an extra midfielder in, in the dog structure. So, look, the, we make these notes... You and I make notes. We hope most of the listeners make their own notes, but we refer to the notes from last week to, to this coming weekend and just basically 
tick them off. Yep, that's reinforced, this is reinforced, and away we go. Efficient ball movement is on the agenda for nearly all clubs this year, Jep. So that is just an absolute theme across all, all clubs. Okay, for me, uh, this likely highlights potential volatile situations in defence, so the, those players yeah. that we are targeting in defence. We all have said uh, numerous occasions on this podcast that defenders, uh, true defenders in the fantasy sense, and obviously that we can play in a defensive structure within the game, is that you know they do offer a flat scoring sort of um, profile across the season. So, you know, they might drop 20, 30, 40, 50K here, but they might raise up their salary uh, the same the other way. You don't get wild swings because their output is pretty much the same. So with, with efficient ball movement, and we did, and the one player that I'm going to highlight here is what we did see the impact on last year was Jake Lord. Obviously, the Swans yes. changed their game style last year. They moved that ball out of that back line quicker. Now, the thing with the Swans is that they were, were chipping the ball around, and that was great for Lloyd with regards to his fantasy points. But all of a sudden, if you get a bit of a change in game plan, all of a sudden we remove, we're removing you know, 5, 10 points off his uh, average for the season. So that's really important to take note of. So uh, one of the teams that, that had pretty slow ball movement was um, Geelong last year. So they have definitely changed their game style going into this year. So they've, obviously they've had a bit of a turnover with regards to their coaching staff and obviously a lot of turnover with regards to their football department so change is coming at the Cats and you've got your two key forwards down there that are you know that obviously ranked highly in the AFL I would presume and I'm pretty fair to say that Hawkins and Cameron so why not get the ball in there really quick so does that limit the actual ceiling for for Tom Stewart now I think he's going to average pretty well but you know it might be you know two or three points off what he can average over a year uh, but we do know he can junk it up so again it's just a little piece of information you want to throw it in his profile okay I take it on board that you know there might be a couple of points difference but he's still a pretty solid scorer and in a year where we're kicking off the season where we like I'm just looking at the defense and it's just I am not happy I'm just not happy what I have yeah. in defense at the moment so you know Stuart I still might go back to Stuart with regards to you know I'm just I'm taking into account what I think is going to happen with the ball movement for all teams and not only that is Geelong as well but I think I'm, I'm pretty confident that he can provide a pretty decent average there as well and provide some stability that which we're not actually going to have in defence. You know, if we start to go thin in defence, we're going to get some pretty volatile scoring there in each team if, if people choose to go in that direction. So uh, what are your thoughts on the efficient ball movement and what it could do to the game this year? Oh, look, I've always, my old footy coach used to say, bad kicking, Jeff, is bad football. So... That's that's rings true in every in every level of footy, including the AFL, obviously. And yeah, possession is so important these days, and holding possession and the ability to swing the ball from one side of the ground to the other as quickly as possible. Um, you're right on Geelong. Um, spot on the defence line. Just touching on that, like I think a lot of us probably are maybe looking still at the two primo setup in defence, not the three primo setup. Um, as depending on what else you can fit in another line. So, yeah, no, we're going to see some volatile scoring from the defenders and, and, like, they've never had a high ceiling in recent years and uh, this this year will, be, will continue unless, you know, you've got a Jack Crisp on the ball playing midfield and, and Whitfield doing his thing. And, you know, even though Dawson's got some calf tightness, I'll, I'll back him in as a 
midfielder that's got defender status. So, yeah, interesting times for sure. But the likes of Lloyd Stewart, even Jaden Short to a point, if, if they turn up one week, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to turn up the next. And I always try to look for players with consistency. Well, that's the biggest edge I see at the start of the year. Uh, that, that you know people can get a jump on um, other coaches that are playing AFL Fantasy Classic, and this is what we discuss here, is that if you can nail that defence at round one and it's pretty solid for quite a few weeks to kick off the season, you're well on your way. What are your thoughts, Edget? Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. Like, we've got to nail all our primos, don't we? Um, and, and the defence line with the... The value picks that are around the mark in Sicily and Tucker and Malira and you know I like the look of Braden Campbell even on the weekend and I had put kind of put a line through him as well uh, but prior to the Pracky game so there's definitely a lot to like um, in terms of value picks in defence it's I'm just unsure on the primos I'm sort of leaning towards a two primo setup in defence. Mm. Alrighty. So as always, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. And of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. We are talking AFL season-long classic mode for AFL Fantasy. So we're going to talk a stack of plays here. So we'll try and zip through these as quickly as possible. So we're going to group them in the games that they played last week. So... It's a bit of an outlook for what we see happening this year. Uh, I'll give out some comments to, to keep, kick off Jet with. But, yeah, just keep in mind I'm grouping them in the games that they played last week. So it's not necessarily all the time talking about what happened on the weekend. So Eston Western Bulldogs, Jet. So pretty even contest throughout. Uh, pretty hot conditions there at the hangar in Tullamarine. So uh, Sam Draper, uh, solo ruck he will be for the Bombers this year. So just a question of scoring output for me. Yeah, to me, me too. I think he's great in the, in the ruck taps and, and his hit-out work. It's around the ground and getting the possessions, the tackles and the marks. Um, it's a big no at the moment. Okay, Darcy Parrish, high ceiling games. What's not to like here? I like it a lot. Yeah, I like it a lot too. Moved really confidently, didn't he? Moved freely, ticked a lot of boxes, um, had hunger for the football. Yep, Jai Caldwell. So he's going to be through the midfield. So it's not going to. Be, I don't think it's going to be really high centre bounces. And I think he's going to be likely the fourth in that rotation. So you're going to go with Merritt. You're going to go with Parrish, and you're going to go with Shield. And you know what? Like Jake Stringer's out on that groin, but I know Rutten has has done this previously. He's a big body in that midfield. So when you get like a Patrick Cripps as an opposition there, I just wonder whether Rutten's going to go with him at centre bounces, which could limit even further the centre bounces for Jai Caldwell. Having said that, I actually quite like it. I, I kind of like what you said before. I still think there's there's pretty good value in his salary. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, that's the thing. Like uh, People may overanalyse the, the centre bounce numbers, but he's always been a really good points per minute player, and he's just so much value there. Like I, I, I'm, I'm asking the listeners not to give up on, on Caldwell just yet, basically. Okay, Ben Hobbs. So... I'm not too sure if he's going to get to round one, but Jizzy actually looked quite decent to me, and you could see you know, what's going to happen for the future. He's going to be at a high rate in the future for the Bombers through that midfield, but it's just a matter of when for us this year. So, again, looks solid. He's a target when he makes his debut, Jep. Absolutely. Mate, um, you know, he, you can see why he was rated so highly in the draft, but um, we can't start with him round one by the look of it. 
Jordan Ridley. So obviously Kelly comes in and then that could free up Ridley in defence. So that's pretty much what it's going to be looking like this year. Hopefully the Bombers can hold up defensively with no injuries. So that therefore Ridley can just play that loose intercept marking type role. So I think there's upside in his scoring here, Jeb. Uh, it's just a matter of his scoring output. I think it can be strong. Uh, I think there is upside here. It's definitely upside. It's um, I just feel like there's more upside with others. He, he's priced that um, in the low 600s, and, and maybe there's better in the, in the 500s. You know, Sif, there's not too much um, difference between someone like a Sicily and someone like um, Ridley. So let's maybe save the money there. Okay, Adam Trelaw. So obviously through the midfield role, he's going to be on the outside as well. So he likely won't be top of centre bounces, which I don't think even matters. So when he's eligible for forward there, I don't have any problems starting with Trelaw at round one, Jeff. Thoughts? Uh, I think Trelaw will definitely be a top six forward by season's end. And gee whiz, if he can stay as fit as he is now and healthy and injury-free, like, it's, it's a lock. So... Yeah, another player that doesn't need the centre bounces necessarily. He, the way the dogs play and, and their depth in the midfield, he's going to get plenty of the ball forward to centre. Most important thing for me, and people have seemed to forget it after we've gone through a couple of years of COVID, Jeb, is that Bulldogs playing under the roof. Yeah, exactly. There's clean footy, but look who's kicking it to him. From you know, you got they got the best setup. I love the dogs midfield, like the liver extracting it from the grass. Yeah. Straight to Bont or, or McRae, straight on the tit of Trelaw and straight on the um, the tit of Norton. Like it's it's just a dream. They they really have a great depth in the midfield, and that's why we get frustrated as fantasy coaches when um, Bevo moves magnets around because you know he can he can you know leave Bont at half forward if if he wants to give someone like a Trelaw or a Dunkley more time on ball. Okay, Marcus Bontempelli. So it looks fine, same role, high centre bounce is expected, Chip. Yeah, look, he, he's going to do his damage, whether it's forward or in, in the guts. I maintain, like, at that grand final, watching it live, the capitulation of, of the dogs started when Bont had a rest in that third quarter, and he was cooked, by the way, in that third quarter. So they need him at the ball and at the contest. Josh Dunkley, uh, pretty much the same as Trelaw. Doesn't need to be high centre bounces. He can rack it up in, in ideal scoring conditions. Uh, again, probably not high centre bounces, uh, but it's it's enough for me uh, to keep his scores going along there, Jip. Yeah, no doubt. I think Dunkley's, again, the top six um, forward. What I liked is that he was played in the position that is his strength, which is inside mid. Um, he spent some time forward, no doubt, as they all do. But, um, yeah, no, I'm expecting good things in Dunks. Okay, Jack McRae, same role as last year. Finds plenty of the ball inside, outside. doesn't matter for me. Uh, he'll be a high-ceiling player, Jip. Yeah, I've got to eat my words. I thought he'd play a bit more outside than, than previous years, but no, he's on the ball and inside, outside, wherever, doing his thing. So it'll be another great year for McRae. Just one I've thrown in here, Ed Richards. So going to be playing cross halfback, Jeb. So for me, just keep an eye on this week to see if he can secure that spot. He's going to be playing cross halfback. And it might be a bit of a sneaky one here, but yeah, just keep an eye out. You know, let's gather some more information and see where that lies at the end of this weekend, Jeb. No, absolutely. He was one, as I was watching the game, I, I Googled, well, not Googled, put his name in, in the uh, the player list on, on Fantasy, and Lord behold, he's 368K. So definitely value. Let's, like, yeah, like I said, let's see what happens this week. But 
he's highlighted in green for me to pay attention um, in this week's game. Uh, let's move on to Carlton St Kilda. Pretty scrappy game there for me at uh, Carlton's home ground. So uh, Blues got on top earlier, Saints moved them back, and it was just yeah, a bit of a scrap there for me. I didn't get much out of it other than to look at a couple of key players that we're going to talk about now, and that's Adam Chera. So high midfield usages can come in. Uh, centre bounces will be strong here, Jet. Yeah, look, he um, he looked great, didn't he? Uh, really, really, really classy. Um, what Carlton need, and it, again, it looks like finally the makeup of Carlton's midfield is, is better balanced with the class of Chera. So Zach Williams going a halfback role as per Voss, so he locked him across that halfback line. Did say, you know, we could move him around, but pretty much lined up the halfback to start the year. Uh, but let's not forget Doherty is also in the mixed return, and Doherty actually might go into a wing, so just keep an eye out for that, which would solidify Williams' position across halfback. Thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, no, I, th- I think Williams' is, is best use um, is off halfback anyway, and that's his favourite position. Last year, to me, at the start of the year, he looked really lost, didn't know what to do. It was just foreign territory for him. So play, play him to their strengths, and that's what Voss will do. Patrick Cripps, he looks actually great. So uh, yes, he's looked for me for quite a while. Yes, sir. For fitness-wise. So his contested game will be a feature for me, I believe, Chip. Thoughts? No, he looked fantastic. I, like, again, I I worry about his handball to kicking ratio. He's obviously a handball first sort of fella and inky getting the hard ball. So just be wary of that because points are precious. Okay, George Hewitt. So he's definitely in the midfield midfield mix, so um, I think it's going to be pretty solid, but he does slide down the order a little bit when Walsh returns. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, um, look, I still feel like there's justification in picking him at his price. So he just provides that level of hardness. If he's going to do a close checking sort of job on the opposition, he can do that. But he was really good at the contest with Cripps. It's all about the hard ball for Voss. They've got to win the hard ball. And Cripps and Hewitt are at the forefront of that. Now, Charlie Curnow actually looked pretty good for me. I uh, had a bit of a knee concern, but it's apparently okay with all that late in the game. But, yeah, it was actually looked pretty good. Um, so, again, moving pretty well. His scoring could actually return to a decent level, but... <sighs> The one thing that's clear is that, you know, you want to start with a key forward and when you've got to rely on players all year to start, potentially stay in your team for quite a while, do you want a key forward in there, Jeff? Yeah, it's, it's that risk. It's key forward with the injury history, though, isn't it? So that's what's deterred me. And But saying that, he looked great on the weekend um, or last week, sorry. So, yeah, let's monitor him again and make the make the decision. We might be forced to play our hand there with Kerno because of the lack of rooks around. Okay, Jack Steele, uh, high centre bounce usage expected, high ceiling player, uh, like it a lot. Yeah, nothing's changed. You know, Steele will be back to what he did last year. I have no doubt about that. Okay, Rowan Marshall. So Riders due back, expected to come back for round one. So again, this year, split rucks loom large, again for the Saints chip. Yeah, and if Ryder wasn't um, wasn't around, then there's a different, totally different story. So until Ryder um, either retires or, or something happens potentially, then Marshall's a no-go zone. Okay, Melbourne versus North Melbourne. So out of Casey Fields, uh, it's a pretty one-sided contest. Obviously the best team and the worst team from last year. So let's kick it off with Christian Salem. So a halfback role, going to have plenty of it across halfback. Um, his scoring did 
was quite volatile last year, uh, but looks like the same role again for this year, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. much of the same from Melbourne and much of the same from Salem. So not someone with a huge high ceiling, so we'd probably get him later in the year if he's um, performing well and consistently. Christian Petrarca, high centre bounce usage expected, and he's a high ceiling player, Jeff. Oh, he's just a Rolls Royce of, of football, isn't he? He, um, again, moved really well, looks free, looks fit, strong, ticking a lot of boxes. And I must admit, I did a bit of um, digging on Petrarca, and I really like Melbourne's early draw in terms of what Petrarca can do against those opponents. Okay, we go to Max Gorn. So the one thing I want to highlight here is that we did see him against uh, pretty soft opposition last week. So let's have a look at him this week in his matchup, so you need to factor in what you did see last week. It's not necessarily what you're going to see this week. And, you know, Gorn has spoken a lot about, you know, he'll play wherever the team needs him to play. So that was all of last year and early into this year as well. So it's not necessarily he's going to be sitting behind the ball. You know, that might be a change in style. If it is again this week, then, you know, we put it into our player profile and, you know, if he's going to sit behind the ball and take those intercept marks, well, then that's all I'm interested more in Gaunt. So, yeah, let's just keep a watch out for that role again this this week. But for me, he's going to float across uh, wherever he's needed in the team ship. So it's still a high-ceiling player. I still think he's going to be really solid, even though Jackson's in that team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think um, he gives owners um, just a peace of mind that he's there. And, again, someone who's durable um, in recent years, as well. So that's what we're looking for this year. Yeah, you're probably paying overs for him, but at the end of the day, you're getting a, a top two ruck. You get what you're paying for, so I don't yeah. I don't have any concerns with Gorn whatsoever. So on to Clayton Oliver. So high centre bounce use is expected, and he is a high ceiling player as well. He is, but I must admit, I was an owner last year, and it was quite stressful. <laughs> Sometimes he, he sort of just crawled over... Um, 100 fantasy points in a game. So, um, personally, I'm actually going to st- stick away. I'd rather Petrarca. Okay, Jason Horn Francis, almost a lock for round one, I would presume, at this stage. So, he's going to be uh, predominantly forward uh, with a little bit of sprinkle of midfield usage in there as well. So, But for me, I think he's a solid uh, best 22, so he should avoid that uh, medical sub. So, I think that's pretty much a go for us for round one, Jep. He should be a lock in every team, and with the situation we're in, you just can't go against it. You know, there's there's not the uh, depths of rooks that we have had probably last year or the year before, so you just got to go with it. Okay, we're going on to Hugh Greenwood. So he is going to be in that midfield at a pretty high rate, I would imagine. So his pretty strong uh, contested game is going to be utilised uh, quite heavily uh, by the Kangaroos. So... You know, that does impact others trying to go through that midfield. But just on Greenwood, yeah, high, high midfield usage expected there, Jeff, for me. Yeah, for sure. I don't think he's fantasy relevant personally, but um, he's going to be in the engine room for North Melbourne. Much like, you know, the extractor, like a Liberatore, getting, getting ha- first hands on the ball and, and applying pressure when he doesn't get first hands on the ball. Yeah, Taron Thomas will see high midfield usage for me, at least strong, I would say. Uh, but he has the potential to drift forward. Actually, I wouldn't mind seeing him coming off half-back, but I don't think it's yet for Thomas. Uh, but, yeah, he would be quite elite coming off that half-back line. Uh, not saying it's going to happen, but that's what I'd personally like to see. But, yeah, he's got the potential to drift forward there, so which might limit his ceiling. I still think he's a pretty much an alpha in that Kangaroos team. 
but I like it. Uh, obviously, we can start him forward, yep. Yeah, no, I like it too. It's um, He's, again, a very valuable to North Melbourne, and um, his ball use is second to none, so probably arguably one of the best ball users in the comp. Will Phillips, so uh, we'll see midfield usage this year. Uh, he could be on the fringe, however, so you've got to keep that in mind, very much so. Uh, but for me, again, I don't think he can find enough of the ball to warrant selection early, Chip. Yeah, and that's the question, isn't it? North Melbourne had a lot of um, their midfield engine room missing on the weekend, and um, and it's how Phillips, you know, how the dynamics works with Phillips once those stars return. So, look, I've still got him in my side at the moment, but yeah, that could change quickly. Thankfully, there's a lot around Phillips's price that he can quickly switch to um, if needed. Okay, Jack Siebel, same roles last year, so he, he'll be in defence. Uh, and I think he should provide a pretty strong average again, Chip. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll be solid. Um, again, I, without Hall for the short term and having Luke McDonald play a bit more up the ground on the wing at times, I, yeah, I thought they'd actually change Siebel's role this year, but I'm wrong. So um, I wouldn't pick him, though, and um, I don't think many are. Chai Simkin, high midfield usage expected for me. Uh, so he does have a ceiling there, Jep, as well. Yeah, look, let's let's wait till he um, plays hopefully this week. And, um, yeah, he's, he's high my radar. I, I rate him highly. Okay, let's move on to Brisbane versus Adelaide. So at Metricon Stadium there on Friday morning. And one player that did stand out for me was Jared Berry. So he's really starting to mature as a strong contested midget. You know, absolutely. Um, really like it. It's if the role's there, and we've got to remember he had a really interrupted year last year with injury. So there's definitely improvement. Um, it's just how you can fit him in your side. Okay, on to Lockie Neal. So high midfield usage for me, Jip. Yeah, look, love him. Neal's um, probably one of the easiest picks this year uh, to me. Out of contract, wants to um, help Brisbane. He, you know, climb further than a prelim, and um, he looks super fit, so ticking a lot of boxes. Okay, Cam Rayner. So he's going to be a split forward uh, midfield role. So I think it's probably pretty much still going to be more forward than midfield, but he'll get his chances in there. It's just a question of scoring rate for me, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. He's an impact player, isn't he, even with his time on the ball. So we've got to just remember how hard it is to to crack 75, 80 fantasy points in his instance or 100 fantasy points. So I wouldn't do it personally. Okay, so just a quick question. We're both going to give a yes or no. You got him in your team right now? No. And for me, it's a no as well. Okay, Zach Bailey. I like where Zach Bailey's career is going. So he's maturing quite nicely here as well. So for me, I expect a spike in scoring output chip this year. Yeah, he's one I'm really keen on. As a junior, he was an inside mid, and um, he's coming back to those to that natural um, position now in, in the Lions. So maybe the Lions are starting to think he has more value on ball, and um, I liked that first glimpse we got against the Crows just gone on the weekend. So let's um, watch him really closely again this week. He's high on the watch list for me, and I'm sure he's high on the watch list for many. Okay, Kitty Coleman. So forecast half back roll. So just for me, I just want to park this one for this week. Let's see how he goes this week, Jeff. 
Yeah, absolutely. A lot of value in that back line where we need it. So, again, watch list. He's going to play this week. I think he had a COVID protocol, and that's why he missed. Yep. Okay, Noah Answorth. So, looked solid there last week. So, add on the wing a little bit and a little bit forward and a little, a little bit everywhere, actually. And he, but he looks solid and strong. So, obviously, injury interrupted the last couple of years, and so he's pretty low salary there. Um, he's missed plenty of footy, obviously, but he looks ready to return for me. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, his hardness at contests and his um, his ability to um, provide a different dynamic to that, you know, halfback as a, as a stopper um, gives value to the line. So he's definitely got a role to play. It's just whether he can score enough. The one thing that resonates with me over pre-season, obviously I consume a hell of a lot of content, is when Fagan spoke about Answorth early in the pre-season, earlier this year as well is that he was really highlighting that he was really thrilled to see him back. And, you know, and the, the key words that he, Fagan said in one of his press conference was that I was, I'm looking forward to seeing him play a full season. So that gives me a little bit of confidence that he's going to go with him uh, if he's ready to go at round one. But it looks like he's ready to go for me. All right, let's go on to Matt Crouch. So he did enough for me last week, still progressing well, but we need to acknowledge that it's not a full pre-season here, Love the way he moves. Wow. I um, know, oh yeah, he didn't obviously play a lot of minutes, but he, he looked like the crouch of old, didn't he? Uh, looked pretty solid. Okay, next one, Josh Rochelle. So he's almost a lock for round one, and but he's all class. So he's ready for me, uh, mostly forward roll, but he's going to have a license, I think, to move up the ground. So I think we're going to see a pretty decent scoring rate, I reckon, here for Josh Rochelle. Yeah, what a classy player. Um future star and the crows have landed a gun so really confident he'll be there round one it's um you know he's either f6 or f7 so get him in your sides guys so i had aaron Bryans on the podcast recently he talked about the uh increased center bounce usage for harry schoenberg and i think that's the way it's going to play out so aaron gave us a bit of a heads up i would recommend going back to listening to that podcast so uh, what, that's what we seen last week, and he was really good. So I want to see it again this week. So uh, looks really sharp for me. Expected increase in midfield usage here for Sharon Chip. Yes, it's just whether you can pay that kind of money um, to, for this season in fantasy, and I don't think we can. Okay, Rory Laird uh, is going to be a high ball winner in that midfield for the Crows. So, again, high midfield usage expected here for Chip. Yeah, look, I... The jury's out whether he can perform at the same level as last year. Um, any sort of risk with that, you, you can turn to other options, can't you? So it's probably a no for Laird. Riley O'Brien. So he's got the number one ruck roll at this stage. So it looks solid for me. Uh, just a matter of scoring rate. And he does show value if uh, if you think he's going to hit that 100 average. Um, but, yeah, it's, let's just see how he goes this week and see where that lies against Port Adelaide to hedge up. Yeah, look, I did not like what I saw in this first Pracky game, but, you know, everyone deserves a second chance, and he's causing me sleepless nights, um, Riley O'Brien. I'm really struggling at the R2 spot, and I thought he was one of two, three options that I could uh, sort of look at and lock in. Yeah, look, I watched Sam Berry's press conference, and he looked actually quite flat with with regards to his position in the team. He didn't know where he sat within the team, and obviously the Crows had a stack of players missing last week. 
through health and safety protocols, Bart Sanbury came in and he actually performed really good. I was quite impressed. So it, it didn't actually marry up with what he said in his press conference. He didn't know where he sat in the team and he actually came out and performed quite well. He actually said he didn't know whether he was going to be picked, even with the limited options available. So I'm not too sure where that stands. But he actually looked pretty impressive last week. Um, but that midfield is deep at the Crows' head, Jeff. Yeah, they're keeping him on, us by the sounds of it. But he, he, you know, he's a tyrant. And he's going to be in the. He's well, he plays his best footy at the stoppages, doesn't he? So it's all about his apprenticeship and and um, his second year now. So he'll have a role to play um, intermittently, much like Schoenberg did last year, isn't it? It's all part of their transition of um, new and up-and-comers, and Barry is probably more relevant next year, I think. Yeah, Barry, is, he might be a bit of a laid-back character. I can't really get a grasp on him. He might be like a surfer dude, laid-back character, where he didn't, you know, doesn't really wasn't keen to do the presser, but I'll do it if I have to, top, top job. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it was quite interesting that his comments didn't actually marry up to his performance. Now, with Barry's role, I expect him to be targeting a few players once he's in that team for shutdown roles, so just got to keep an eye out that for Barry. Uh, now, Jordan Dawson, obviously, the news came out yesterday, and it wasn't good for most of us because we pretty much had um, Dawson rocking in our team. So he's rolled out for the Amy Community Series this week with calf tightness. So... Pretty much the question uh, that I'm going to ask you first off here, Jeb, have you taken Jordan Dawson out of your team when the news dropped? Yeah, I had to. Absolutely. It's, it's, I'm pick, trying to pick players with full pre-seasons. Um, he was definitely in there, loved what his role was going to be this year, but um, any red flag in a COVID-affected year that we're going to go through, it's, it's just a no-go zone for me. Obviously, you know, I'm pretty sharp on Twitter and they get that news out ASAP. I actually had him out of my team before I tweeted it out. It was like, <laughs> I had the tweet out within 10 seconds, but he was out of my team in five seconds. So that's how quickly he was out. But I still, uh, there might be a little bit of regret here. Um, I still think he's going to be pretty solid, but, you know, calf tightness, man. It's just not what you want to be hearing on the eve of the season. All right, let's move on to Gold Coast versus Port Adelaide. Again, played at Metricon Stadium on Friday. Plenty of watching there certainly was to do on Friday, but it was all good footy was back. So Took Miller, high, same role, high, high midfield usage, and I expect elite scoring again here, Chip. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's, there's no doubt that he'll just keep on keeping on. He looks as fit as, as normal and... Like, it's just a shame he's so expensive. <laughs> okay, Matthew Rowell. Um, obviously, he's through the midfield, and he's through the midfield at a high rate for me. So he was at stoppages. He was strong at stoppages, looking for the ball as well, getting in the right spots, high centre bounce usage again expected uh, for this season, Chip. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm starting to really warm to it. Yeah, again, on the watch list, big tick of what we saw. My, you know, my... Um, focus for Rao is seeing him spread from the contest and again we'll give him another shot this week and, and make the decision after after this week's games so Lockie Weller out of defence so he's taking kick-ins there as well so let's see how this plays out this week he could be used at a decent rate out of defence for his sonship yeah look it's um, it's tempting isn't it but it's just that little bit awkward price and 
he doesn't really get the tackle numbers for me. So I, I like to pick players that hit all stat lines, and um, unfortunately he won't do it. So I'll probably miss, but I can understand why people would go there. So for me, the I've decided on Weller as a no-go zone because uh, two things here. He's already got DPP status, so mid-forward, yeah? Yes, So correct. we've got um, multiple options in that midfield that I would have rated a higher value than what he is. So if you want to put him in a midfield line, I could list off five or six players ahead of him right now. And then we, if we go to put him in the forward line, well, then I can list three or four or five other players as well to stick in yeah. ahead of him. So, you know, he's not going to get defender status. We can't triple, uh, triple up here. So, you know, pretty much he's well down on the depth chart for where I see him sitting based on who he's up against rather than the, the role he's actually going to play here, Jeff. That's right. And if he was a defender status, if he had defender status, I think we'd look at him far more closely than what we are right now. Yep. Okay, Josh... Sin, so he actually looks quite elite when he's got the ball. A couple of turnovers last week, but fine by me. It's just once he settles into that team, he's going to be pretty good there, Jeff. Yeah, look, and another rook that's, although he's pricey, he's very likely for round one. So with slim pickings, again, we've got to get him in. Okay, Ollie Wines, so the power are going to spread out their midfield a little bit this year as well, so got to keep that in mind with regards to we could potentially see a price drop from Wines. But for me, strong midfield usage expected here, Yeah, he's still the main man in there. Um, I don't see too much changing in terms of role for Wines. It's whether he can have another dominant year, and I think he can. Okay, Zach Butters is going to see an increase in midfield usage this year. So listen to his interview, I believe it was yesterday, and pretty much he was asked this question, is it can we refer to you as midfielder now? And he goes, I like to think so. So, you know, he sees himself as a midfielder. Um, he's going to see a spike in midfield usage this year. Uh, still might see some action on the outside and potentially going forward, but I think he's going to be in there at a decent rate there. Jeff, thoughts? Yeah, no, I really like him. Um, really like him a lot, even though he can go in a bit kamikaze-like at the contest. I still think he's got plenty to offer us and... If he can play the majority of games this season, he'll be a top six forward. It's amazing last week we were watching that practice game and Scott Lysett goes off the ground with the injury. Unfortunately for Lysett, but fortunately he's okay, so all good. But imagine how many eyes lit up at that side of him walking on the ground, which is, you know, from the people who play fantasy, you've just have, you just have that mindset of thinking, you know, what is the impact, which is good to have because it actually gets your thought process ticking over at a pretty good rate. But so, yeah, the eyes would have lit up with not, not just me, but everyone, you know, how's Lysette, said, how's it going? And I chased that news down pretty quick. And when it come out that he's actually okay, which is good from his point of view, but not so good from Sam Hayes' point of view. So he did look solid when he came on. A uh, bit of a commentary uh, post-game from Brett Montgomery that um, that there was a little bit of a disconnect because he hadn't spent much time with regards to with the first-team midfield with regards to his hit-outs and, and clearances and stoppages, mm-hmm. so there needs to be that work to be done. But if he does get his opportunity, I think he's going to score at a pretty decent rate there, Chip. Yeah, look, I agree too. I still think even if he's not named round one, he's a good R3 because we need that VC loophole, don't we? Okay, on to Jackson Mead. So he's going to be right there with the potential to make his debut. So I think he's going to be 
right on that fringe. He did look solid last week. I, th- I thought it was quite good. Uh, just a matter of selection there here, Jack. Yeah, I'm really hopeful. Um, he's on my midfield bench at the moment at uh, M10. So, yeah, fingers crossed he can he can put a, a good foot and a good performance forward um, this coming game. Okay, Collingwood and Hawthorne played out in country Victoria. So the Magpies blew away the Hawks early. So um, at a country ground, so the the camera angle was actually was pretty low. So you pretty much couldn't see a lot of things on the opposite side of the ground and structural wise. So, but it was good enough just to have a bit of a glimpse to see what was going on. The one thing that we did see was Patrick Lapinski going through that midfield. So uh, strong midfield role expected, and it's just a matter of scoring rate. And there, I believe there is value based on his starting salary there, Jeff. It's definitely value, and he's very, very tempting. Uh, he had the highest centre bounce usage out of the lot, uh, I believe, and that's much. You know, him and Adams are going to be the main two guys in there. So it's good to know that now. It's just making the decision whether you spend that much on him. Brody Grundy, strong number one ruck role here, expected here for Grundy, Jeff. Yeah, look, nothing changes with Grundy. He went through the motions again. He looked like he was moving freely. That's what I was looking at, not not his possessions. And he still looks strong and he's got a role to play that's fantasy friendly for us. So he's all but locked in to most teams. Scott Pendlebury, so halfback role, which uh, as expected, uh, these, this includes kick-ins as well, so he's going to see a few of those this year, uh, but he will see, still see some midfield usage. So I think premium role, premium role, I think by round six that we could see him uh, as a defender option. So if you can hang on tight with regards to a few limited options in defence, you're potentially going to get Scott Pendlebury early, Jeff. Yes, no, definitely not some we start with round one. We just uh, assess during the year and, and he becomes potential when he gets that defender status like you said okay jack chris one we which we can start with so obviously i think he's going to play more midfield than defense so once you know how didn't play last week so once how goes back into that team you know does that push uh chris bad into the midfield which you know could limit uh some options for other players that we did see in that midfield for the magpies last week so i think that's the way it's going to play out you know it still could be 60 midfield uh 40 defense for chris but maybe 70 30 and I think Pendlebury would be like 70 defence, 30 midfield or something thereabouts. So I think they're going to interchange with each other uh, to give different looks through the midfield and obviously a half-back role there as well. So we'll see how that plays out this week. Again, we're going to get a better view of what teams look like for round one this week. All right, uh, your thoughts on there, Chris? Yep. Yeah, I really like Chris a lot. Um, I'm, it's, I'm struggling with the spends and trying to find the extra money. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's definitely got a fantasy-friendly role for us again this year. Okay, Nick Dacos. What I want you to look at when you watch Nick Dacos is that when he is in the vicinity of the ball, you watch that arm go up. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. That's all I need to say. He'll get the ball a lot. And I think he's going to be really healthy from his scoring rate there, Jeff. Yeah, he'll be the best scoring rook in 2022. There's no doubt about it, um, barring injury, of course. So just lock, it in. lock him in your team, lock him in your starting 22. Listeners, just watch out when he's in frame. The hand is going up. I want the ball. So that's what we love. Anyway, Tom Mitchell. So strong midfield usage uh, role expected for me. Jeb, I think we're going to see what we have seen uh, previously is a pretty high scoring rate for Mitchell. Yeah, I agree, and he looks fitter than he has for a while, so really ticking a big box for me in that sense. James Sicily, 
couple of things here on Sicily. He's going to be the feature intercept marking type for the Hawks, which is great. And his value with his salary, obviously coming in off an ACL. Uh, he's done a couple of pre-seasons. Obviously did his ACL back in 2020. So missed all of last year. Uh, could have been ready for the back end of the year. But they just held him off uh, last year. So he did another pre-season. He is fine to go. Uh, had a bit of a squeeze down here uh, at the Hawthorne training. Looks fit. No issues. One grab. He looks great. The one thing that concerns me is this interpretation the umpires are going to take into this season with regards to, you know, back-chatting the umpires. He, man, he could give away two, two or three of those games quite easily, so which is going to impact his scoring. So um, he's really got to put a lid on with regards to his uh, fieriness, if I can say that. Uh, but I still think he's going to be solid, and I think we're going to see a pretty decent scoring average chip. Yeah, he's, he's definitely valuing that back line. Um, He's a leader of that club too. Uh, uh, that was evident to me. Even though the passion he plays with obviously comes out in wrong ways to the umpire. But, um, yeah, look, he's just a fantasy, almost a lock, not necessarily a lock in in some people's minds, but um, he's got he's got plenty of upside and plenty of money to earn. Apparently, if you just put your arms out with a question, you know, you're questioning why decisions are being made, apparently that's 50, so... Mm-hmm. Really got to keep an eye on that, but uh, you know that's the, pretty much the only player that I think is going to impact if it's going to impact anyone at all. But yeah, I still think he's going to score quite well. Okay, Josh Ward, a little bit outside there on the weekend. I thought he was okay against the Magpies. It was enough to me to say that you know he's a potential still for round one. It looks solid. Just about opportunity now here for Wardship. Yeah, look, I thought he looked really good personally, um, and I think he's pretty locked for round one. I, I, I like his left foot, so I like the way he moves. I like his decision-making, and I'm sure um, Sam Mitchell does too. What I would like to see is inside midfield usage. Yeah. His, his body is ready. It's just a matter of uh, opportunity through inside midfield. So his scoring rate will be okay on the outside, but his preferred role is inside. So it's just a matter of opportunities. Whether he gets to see that this year, I'm not too sure at a decent rate. Okay, Connor McDonald looks okay for me. A half-forward type role. Could move up onto the wing a little bit here and there. Uh, could see him early, I think. Uh, just about scoring rate and opportunity here for McDonald Chip. No, I like him a lot. I, um, I'm really bullish on him. I think he's, along with Ward, he's going to be there round one. But um, let's get another look at him this week. Okay, Ned Reeves, he's the number one ruck here there for me, Jeb, at this stage. I think uh, we've got Lynch at number two, and we've got McAvoy as the backup in the team playing forward ruck. So Lynch on the outside looking in, I think Reeves is that number one ruck, Jeb. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's pretty clear to me his tap work is, is important to Hawthorne and, and his development, and he's got a lot to offer. So, um, yeah, that's the way I think they'll go round one and beyond. Okay, another player that needs to be still on the radar for quite a few is Joy Newcomb. He's going to see high midfield usage for the Hawks this year, I believe, Jeff. Yeah, similarly priced um, to, to Caldwell, and Newcomb from all reports, looks super fit and super fantastic on the ball. He, he's a headhunter and um, he'll get a lot of tackles, especially noting that new tackle rule too. So real good uh, point score and cash cow, believe it or not, even at 430-odd K. So um, I've got him alongside Caldwell for a potential spot hindsight. Okay, we're going on to Finn McGuinness. Did actually look okay last week, uh, but this week upcoming in the Amy Community Series is going to tell us a lot where the Hawks see him at round one, Jeff. 
Yeah, really keen. Again, he's on the watch list. We can't um, we can't make a judgment yet, but um, if he's on the cusp, are we going to risk it? That's all I'll say. So, yeah, lots will be um, will be shown and said with the way Hawks line up this week. Sydney and GWS joins. This game was almost went four hours. Just blew my mind. It was just so long. But it was good good information there. And I'll tell you, there's one play in here that I found, well not found, but I, I just I recognise that it was just a step above most players that he was playing with at that level when he was on the ground. But we'll get to him in a minute. So let's start off with Dylan Stevens. So he's entering his third year in the AFL. Um, he looks likely settled, I reckon, to start off this year, and I think we could see him early uh, play well. It's just a matter of scoring right there for me, Chip. Yeah, I don't think it's there. Um, I would, you know, I'm hopeful for him that he that he has a good season, but I'm not going to start with him. Okay, Isaac Kenny. So expected strong midfield usage. I think that's the way it's going to play out this year. Now, the thing that we need to factor in here is that Callum Mills is struggling to get up for round one. So I think that even strengthens the, the spot in the midfield there for Henny. Uh, and Josh Kennedy played out across half bank. So that's where Kennedy moved on the outside. And he discussed that, on, obviously, in an interview a couple of weeks ago, that you know he's going to move out of the centre bounces, out of the midfield, and obviously let that midfield grow. So, and the other thing that's come up this week is Tom Papley has done his hamstring. So we've got a question on Twitter today. Apologies for not remembering who it was or taking you in this podcast, but it was a really good question. Is it, you know, if Papley going down, uh, does Haney actually then all of a sudden go forward to cover that spot? For me, I don't think so. I think he's in that midfield. I think he's in that midfield at a strong rate. But let's go back to Papley. I think Angus Sheldrick is in that frame for potential early season debut. So keep an eye on him and see where the Swans see him this week. Because I think it was Papley going down. He's going to miss the first few, few weeks of the season. That could open up for a position for Sheldrick to jump in and make a debut at round one there, Chip. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think... Um you know, Heaney stays midfielder. There's a clear path for him and a clear message to me. Um, I actually argue, will Heaney get enough of the ball around the stoppages? Like, he didn't look that convincing to me uh, around the stoppages and getting his hands on it. So my judgment on that will be, you know, I'll be judging him harshly again this coming game. So, yeah, I'll uh, like most of our players, we just keep them on the watch lists and, and make the call after next weekend. Okay, Will Gould. So, obviously, a stack of us are just wanting to get that game early, and I don't think it's happening. I, I think he's very deep on that list, and based on, you know, the, the sign-up McCartan, and that's pretty much if anyone's going to get a, a role in that team in that type of role, you know, it would have been Gould, but the sign-up McCartan, obviously, that, that's another step below Gould has to go. So I think he's way on the outside looking in, and, you know, if you've got him on his bench, potentially see him on the outside. And when he came onto the ground in this game, I think he really struggled just actually just to find the ball. But, you know, he doesn't play that, you know, loose ball, um, collect a lot of disposals type game anyway, Chip. Yeah, put a line through Gould. Let's um, let's find some other uh, defensive rooks if we can. Okay, Jake Lloyd. So I mentioned it earlier, same role last year. So just to keep an eye on the uh, Swans ball movement, which could limit his scoring. I still think he's pretty solid for 95 minimum, probably 100. I think he's pretty solid. But no 120-point games last year, and I think that's pretty much we're going to see the same. But I think he's still going to be solid there, Jeff. Yeah, he is. It's it's the timing of picking him up, isn't it? And 
I think we can sleep easy at night, just not, not starting around one. Uh, that's what I'm leaning towards. But, hey, let's get another look at him like we do with all our players. Okay, Peter Ladham. So Hickey is still number one, but I think Ladham's does offer a different look. So just got to wait and see again, see how that plays out. So it's it's pretty much just, yeah, park that information for Ladham's, but he does look quite solid, Bedrup. Yeah, he's not on my radar for fantasy at all, and it wouldn't change unless Hickey was injured. Okay, Stephen Cornelio. So expected high midfield usage, and if we're going down narrative street and picking out some sort type of uh, information to see whether he's going to kick off his season, is he's been blasted the last couple of years with regards to his output, but that's not really his fault. He's been injured, and he's ready to go. He's had a full preseason, and he's going to smash it in that midfield there, Jeff. Yeah, look, definitely. Um, I really like the look of him. I think he's hungry for the contest and hungry to prove a lot of people wrong. So expecting big things from Cornelia. Lockie Whitfield found a stack of it last week. So same role last year. And don't forget last year, he, he I think he got kicked in the, was it the kidney or liver or something like that? And he was actually in hospital, lost a lot of weight. So right. he'd lost all his fitness that he did over pre-season and missed I think, the first six weeks of the season came back in so he came back in pretty much unlimited uh, fitness and he still performed quite well so full pre-season this year he's going to find a stack of it and you know if you're not starting with Whitfield um, pretty much we'll see you at the uh, 2023 <laughs> podcast for you know pre-season research really quickly because I think he's almost a certainty for most of us to start with Chip. Yeah, yeah he's the biggest lock of the year for me um, you can't not go against it now, Braden Pruce, he wasn't the preferred ruck early in this game that would have thrown a bit of a spanner in the works for many, pretty much for you as well. Oh, now, yes. Now, the thing here is, and I'll go back to what I said earlier in the podcast, yeah, we take the information what happened last week, right? But we'll take more information out of what happens this week, and we'll just, we'll just put all the pieces of the puzzle together and see what comes out this week. Now, again, I said earlier in the podcast, is that some coaches said that they wanted to trial a few things. Now, Flynn looked really good in that number one ruck spot. I actually was quite impressed. And I thought, well, are you actually just pushing Bruce out of the way here? So, you know, let's get a look at, you know, you know who starts that number one ruck, that first centre bounce there this week uh, for the Giants. I think that that's going to pretty much tell us a lot that, you know, who Leon Cameron thinks is his number one uh, rucks going into the season but the other thing other couple of things here at play is that the Giants have spoken quite frequently over pre-season and the off-season they potentially might want to go a dual ruck setup so that's potentially going to look at uh, Pruce and uh, Flynn playing in the same team together which is going to limit the output for Pruce obviously we want to start with him because he's a cheap ruck to start on ground and obviously he's going to make a stake of cash but the other thing is he, that is going to limit his scoring. Now, what we did see last year as well from Leon Cameron is that Shane Mumford was in that team, right? And he was the preferred ruck, and he was on his last legs. He's now since retired. So Briggs and Flynn, who were less developed, they did get their opportunities, but he kept going back to uh, Shane Mumford. So I think this is a very fluid situation. Um, it could be opposition-based uh, decision for Leon Cameron on a week-by-week -week scenario, um, and that is pretty pretty much looking at a volatile situation. Um, and we know that Leon Cameron last year was happy to flip-flop in that ruck, and I'd hate to say if that's going to happen again this year, but we just really need to keep that in mind that potentially that could happen, Chip. 
Yeah, all those variables, mate. It's just I've had him at R2 most of the preseason, and I'm after the weekend, I'm completely off him. So too many variables for me. I, I really did think he was the number one ruck. Um, I'm not sure now, and I can't risk it. Okay, the one player that I was mentioned earlier that really got was obviously quite impressed. High draft pick Finn Callahan. So when you know he's had an interrupted preseason there, and that's been bubbling away for a while. But when he came on the ground, he just looked uh, so far above everyone else. It just wasn't funny. He's elite. He's he's classy. He's everything the Giants will want. The issue for Callahan is the Giants are very deep in that midfield. So. But you know what? I think he's that elite that you're going to have to play him. So for me, as soon as he makes his debut, he's coming into your team. He's going to find a stack of it. And I think, you know, if, if Kelly and Cornelio and, and Whitfield start chipping that ball around, we know they have monster ceilings. I think Callahan can get a good part of that. But again, limited preseason, high draft pick. Um, he's just a, he's elite above everyone else on that ground late in that game. Obviously, lesser, um, lower level top players. But, yeah, he just looks ready for me. And once he's fully fit, I, I, I can't imagine Leon Cameron holding him back. But, you know, stranger things have happened, especially with Leon Cameron. But I think he's coming into that team as soon as he's ready to go and just keep a lookout because I think this guy has got it. Yeah, I, mate, I agree with you. I think the Giants have got a, a gun in Callahan. It's, it's the role for me, even this year, what he gets and what his scoring potential could be. And... I think if we look at um, history with Connor Stone and Bruin last year and, and previous years even to that, um, it's likely to be a lesser role as an apprenticeship-type learning phase and he's not going to score. So even if he's like name ground four, round five, whatever, I don't even think I'd spend that much money on him because of the history that Liam Cameron has used rookies in the past. Yeah, I'm completely the opposite. As soon as he is named, he is coming into my team. He wow. is just that elite. Okay, and I think just out on the wing would actually be quite suffice for Callahan. But, you know, the worst thing is if he's named medical sub early, which would be a disaster. So, you know, but, you know, obviously he might get a salary job there as well. But all that considered, for me, as soon as he is named, he is in. Alrighty, Josh Kelly, same role as last year. Well, actually, early season last year wasn't any good because he was playing forward. So, But later in the season, once we, strangely enough, when Whitfield came back in that team, so that sort of opened up Kelly to play a lot more through that midfield. Um, but, yeah, strong ceiling here. I think there's upside in his um, starting salary here as well. And I think there might actually be just moderate ownership to start with with, with regards to Kelly. Um, he's an option here, Jeff, at round one. Oh, he's definitely an option. He's a very good option. So don't read too much into his numbers and performance on the weekend. It's more, um, you know, it's more just making sure he's moving freely, doesn't look injured or hindered. Yep. All that. Okay, Tim Taranto. So potentially going to see more more forward usage early in the season than uh, midfield. Obviously, we did see him go forward last year and impact the scoreboard as well, so all good. And Leon Cameron has pretty much welded himself into Canelio being that midfielder rather than that midfield forward split. So I think it's Taranto that's going forward. Uh, but we've got a couple of other options there that could go forward uh, coming into that Giants team as well. But he's the experienced one to replace Toby Green. I think we can wait on Taranto, Jep. Thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I, we can't start with him. He, he'll be there at some point for us, though, during the year. Okay, West Coast versus Fremantle. So, 
Major, major injuries again for West Coast. Yo goes out injured. Chester goes out injured. She goes out injured. All no good. Uh, obviously, Yo not as long as what the other two are. So hopefully they recover well and get back on grand ASAP. Now, what that did to the Eagles midfield, uh, live in play, and, and Simpson had to make some moves. So it was it almost a bit of a tell, you know, what where that could land once everything settles for round one is that Gaff went straight into the middle. So that's a potential of what we're going to see uh, at round one is that Gaff spends more time in that in the centre bounces and through the inside midfield role rather than the outside, which is actually going to be good for him because obviously the Eagles want to move the ball a lot quicker. But you know, with with a stack of injuries, they could actually slow down the ball movement based on you know scoring opposition scoring so who knows how that's going to play out so there's another factor you need to put into the mix with regards to west coast players now he again he was moved into the middle when injuries came your, your thoughts on that chip um i wouldn't go near gaff I, I feel like he's a player that plays well when he has the support around him so i actually would go the opposite to that point um yeah it, it's it's an interesting one. I get the theory in why you think you'll score better, but I actually think it'll work the opposite way. No, just his role. So the scores, yeah. I didn't mention it. it, was actually just what Simpson did when those injuries went down, that he goes into the inside. So it might be a bit of a tell there with regards to um, where his role would lie early in the season. you know. And if that you know it does help him out with regards to their ball movement, it's great. But because out in, the, out in the wing, I think he's going to be a little, he was going to be a little bit starved this, this year. So I think his scoring average could actually just maintain. Not too sure it's going to elevate quite highly based on where he starts though. Yeah, for me, it's it's a clear no. The way that my poor West Coast Eagles are looking, um, I just I would avoid avoid him at all costs. It's it's the other blokes of value that we need to look at. Yeah, Jack Redden had an injury interrupted season preseason there as well. So, but he could see a stack of inside midfield usage early in the year, Chip. Yes, sir, and um, maybe not in fantasy, but for the DFS. Um, Listeners and keen participants out there, he's probably one you jump on real early. Uh, he's got a big role to play this year, and hopefully, gee whiz, hopefully he can play 22 games for us because we need it. So Connor West had has had a bit of a foot concern, so just got to keep an eye out for that. So it's planted fascia, so it's not that much of a trouble, but it does cause some pain throughout the week and through a game. So he did see opportunities in that midfield when those injuries came. Uh, but, yeah, again, that foot concern, we need to keep in mind there, Chip. Yeah, look, let's look at the injury, um, assess it. But I find early signs of West, my assessment of him is he's a bit of a confidence player. So it would have been really, really good for him to um, to gain some confidence in, these, uh, in this weekend's game. And, unfortunately, he probably won't be there. So... Yeah, like the rule we've said before, if anyone who's had an interrupted preseason, especially this close to the um, start of the season, like we're not going Dawson, so why would we go Connor West? Yeah, so the thing with with the West Coast, and more so with West Coast this week, let's see how they line up with those players out of the team. So that might be a bit of an indicator, and obviously a bit of an indicator where West sits in that team as well. So the next one here is Bailey Williams. So is he going to get an opportunity with all these injuries? I think this one I want to park with regards to let's see how that plays out this week, Chip. Yeah, it's, um, he plays if Oscar Allen's not playing. So uh, depending on the, the, the length of Oscar Allen's injury and when he comes back is, you know, will dictate how Bailey Williams is one used or whether he's in the 22 at all. So um, it definitely starts the season for me. But in saying that, he's 
I don't think his scoring potential is going to be there to warrant selection. Okay, Jordan Clark for the Dockers. So plenty of runoff halfback, and that's pretty much what we're going to see all year here, Chip. Yeah, it is. Uh, Look, we discussed pre-pod that maybe, you know, it was a dream game for Clark because he just had a free run at it, ran, ran off his line and didn't really have an opponent all day and could do what he wants. So I think he'll be kept more honest in in other games during the year. So I'm still not picking him as a as a pure mid. It's when he gets defender status that we'll look at him. Okay, Andrew Brayshaw. So for me, it's going to be a high midfield usage this year, Chip. Yeah, he's a leader of that club now. Um, and I still think if Fife's alongside him, then Brayshaw's worth picking. Um, I, I really think he's in for a good year. I, he hits all the stat lines. He works super hard, and um, he's a heart and soul of that team and, and a future captain probably. Will Brody comes into the Dockers team after his off-season move from uh, Gold Coast last year. So for me, I thought he was solid in, as an inside role last week. He was very clean, and he can move forward during the games as a marking option. So, you know, does that marking option forward put him in that best 22, Jip? I think it does. I actually, like, was really surprised of how well he played and mm, really good. again like it just sort of ticked a box for me I've always been 50-50 on Brody, but his performance on the weekends really um, on Friday really uh, assured me that he's going to be in there round one and beyond yeah so if he another good performance this week Jeff, I would almost lock him in uh, to that round one team because he does have that have that ability and this is just one of those things over pre-season when Justin Longmuir, you know, his predominant role would be midfield, but he needs to find a second position. And Longmuir pretty much said he's got that second position because he can go forward and mark. So that's what you need. You can't be a one-trick pony uh, for some of these players who aren't the number one, number two, number three in the midfield. Is it, you know, the, the threes and fours and the fives in that midfield that go in there for a sprinkling of centre bounces? What's your second role? And and Brody does provide that forward role, Jeff. Yeah, totally agree, bud. It's... Um it's looking really good, and, and a lot of us are going to start him. Okay, Heath Chapman. So he's going to play that intercept marking role for the Dockers. And as the Dockers played last week, and I think it was just pretty much opposition, how, how poor the opposition were going uh, for your West Coast Eagles there, is that, you know, that they did see a little bit of, little bit of slow ball movement. Um, but I think Longmuir has pretty much seen consistently over pre-season they want to move the ball a lot quicker, which is, again, most teams etc etc so you know put that game put that team up against a different opposition that might be a faster ball movement but yeah i think chapman is going to be okay in defense you know if you want to go down that cheap in defense to start with uh, i think he's not a bad option but again consistency might be an issue here jet for his scoring i don't mind the pick though yeah, consistency and scoring potential like what's his actual scoring ceiling i don't think he's going to score above 90 the, for the points you've just raised. So for that reason, you're probably best to pick someone else. So Nathan O'Driscoll, I thought he was actually pretty solid last week. So, uh, But the thing that we need to keep in mind here with Fremantle is that the, the list is actually quite healthy, and by round one, if there's not, nothing more, it's going to be a monster squeeze on for spots, which could you know force O'Driscoll out. So, you know, we've got Erasmus, who didn't play in that team on the weekend. He could come into that team early in the season. And, you know, players are going to be squeezed out of that team. And Driscoll just could be one of those unlucky ones not to get an opportunity early based on their health uh, status of the Fremantle list, Chip. Yeah, spot on, mate. It's um, it's one that, you know, I'm hopeful on and as many others are. And um, 
look, we don't want to wish injuries on players, but it, yeah, it, it looks likely he's only going to get an opportunity through an injury to, to a stun 22. Okay, Darcy Tucker, he might be in the same position as O'Driscoll, unfortunately, but you know, I don't think there's going to be high inside midfield usage this year for Tucker, but I think he could see a, a plenty of ball on the outside if he is best 22. Uh, but yeah, again, no inside midfield usage at a strong rate. And again, Docker's a pretty healthy list, so the, the squeeze on spots is really evident for the Fremantle list early in the season, Jet. Yeah, spot on, but it's um, it's looking unlikely for Tucker in my team. And again, he's probably one that's been there a lot of the pre-season. But, he, you know, he'll get the odds in a square attendance and... And he provides plenty of dash from the wing and, and can play a defensive role on the wing if he has to on, on the opposition or dangerous opposition. Um, but this, I don't know, I'm just very wary of his scoring potential again. Um, and 500 odd K is a lot to give up when you're going to get a bit of a roller coaster sort of scoreline. So Caleb Sarong, I expect to be in uh, inside midfield usage and centre bounces at a high rate this year. So he did speak a couple of weeks ago with regards when he was asked about his tagging duties. Did he want to play more go-get-the-football this year? And then he pretty much agreed with that, that, that he wanted to play the go-get-the-ball footy this year type game. So, you know, we've got five in there. It's going to be, I think, at a very strong rate. Monday, you've got to throw in that mix there as well. You know, we're talking about players on the fringe trying to get inside the middle, but, you know, that midfield at the moment, even they lost Chera, and it's still pretty strong and developed there for me. Um, Brayshaw in that mix there as well. So, But I think Sarong is going to be pretty strong in that midfield. I think we'll see a bit of a scoring uptick this year from his previous average. What are your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, I'm, I compare him to Matt Crouch. I, I do a lot of two-player comparisons, as you know, and most of the listeners know. And, like, I see him in the same breath of light as Matt Crouch, even though he's 50-odd grand cheaper. Um, but I just feel like Matt Crouch can push the top 10, you know, midfielders in fantasy this season, where I don't think Saron can. So I'm off him for that reason. If, if Crouch wasn't fit and, and I was looking for value, then, sure, Saron would be will be in around the, the, the mark. But um, and I'm taking away nothing that of what he's going to do this year, I think he's going to have a great year. And he's, he's a really solid fantasy pick at that. It's just, can you do better? And I think you can. Okay, let's get on to Geelong versus Richmond, our final group of this podcast. So Tyson Stengel comes in and gets re-signed by the Cats. And he actually looked great on the weekend. Hit the scoreboard there as well. But he's going to move up the ground into that half-forward type role and be that delivery option into Hawkins, into Cameron. So I think it's a actually really good move. Um, I think he's pretty much locked in into that round one team. But again, we'll see how he goes this week, you know, a different opposition and, and see how they, you know, if they provide him any attention to see what his scoring rate looks like. But I think he's pretty much there for us if we want to go that direction at round one chip. Yeah, 298 grand, so it's the value we're looking for. It's When you spend that much money, though, you want to start him on your field. So is he going to score consistently over 60? I probably doubt it. And um, so let's see. He might be the fallback option if some of these other younger blokes at 190K don't get a gig. 
Okay, Cooper Stevens, he actually looked quite sharp for me when he came into that team. So it's just yeah. about opportunity now. And, you know, with Seld moving out, you know, he did look actually really sharp. So I wonder if they could, you know, if he's fully healthy there at round one, I wonder if they can give him a go there early in the season. But, you know, we're talking with talking about Chris Scott here, but it's not really easy to crack into that team. But we want him to not only crack into that team, but it's crack into that midfield. I think he's almost ready to go with regards to a breakout year and opportunity is waiting for us, hopefully, Jip. Yeah, and hopefully it's this year. He did have an ankle sprain in the game, but all is okay as per recent reports. So really hoping he he gets up this for this week and and puts his best foot forward. And um, boy, do we need it. He'd be a good option for uh, mid-bench for sure. Okay, Tom Stewart, I uh, mentioned him earlier in the podcast. So same role as last year. I think pretty strong scoring output. It's just a matter of whether you want to spend that money up to get him at round one. Yeah, totally agree. It's um, like we've said it a few times already on the pod. It's, it's probably a time of when you can get Stewart. It's not necessarily to start with. Okay, Sam DeConney. So he's going to should settle in defence. So I think they're going to give him an opportunity multiple opportunities this year so it's just a matter of when he comes into that team whether it starts at round one or gets slotted into that team throughout the year uh is key he's going to match up against key forwards so scoring output might be quite volatile so let's see how he goes with regards to opportunity early in the year chip yeah look i think he's the new um lucky henderson personally i think he's all but certain to be there round one um based on what i saw um, imagine training against Hawkins in the preseason. You get taught a lesson of how to use your body, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, he's got a lot to add to, to Geelong's 22. He's got a big role to play. It's, it's just funny. He's not a player that's going to score over 40 fantasy points often. So he's going to be a slow burn on the bench if they're at all. Okay, Patrick Dangerfield. So same role again, I believe, this year. So it looks fresh for me. I think he's going to be okay this year. But do you want to head down that direction at his age, Chip? No, I don't. Um, it's, again, it's comparing the player to other people or other players around his price, and it's just a no-go zone for me. Not doubting that, you know, there'll be the 125, 130 uh, fantasy point games from him during the year, and everyone get excited. But the long vision... And the long game is, is no. Okay, your mate Dustin Martin. So obviously you had that injury late in the year, missed the final stages of the home and away season for Richmond. So surgery, lost a stack of weight. He's put it back on. So uh, the theory was over early in the off-season and the pre-season was that, you know, they're going to pretty much limit his forward usage. Probably still be there a little bit, but they're going to try and play him in the midfield at a high rate. So... I think we're going to see an uptick in scoring this year, and I think he could be back to some pretty decent gains here, Jep, throughout the year. No, he, he looks like a Rolls Royce out there as well. He he really impressed me, and um, he made me think he's not my team at the minute, but um, he definitely well could be. I, I think he's a value pick as in the forward line. Uh, I know that's probably a big statement, but he's a point to prove. He's got a bit of a point to prove and get Richmond back in to to contending for a premiership and obviously not missing for the majority of last year, Richmond suffered. So the role is going to be there. The scoring potential is going to be there. It's just whether Dustin Martin can do it week in, week out. And I think he can the way he was moving freely. Okay, Jaden Short, going to see a stack of it for Richmond coming out of defence. So you've got uh, Rioli back there and you've got a couple of others back there. Um, 
I think it's going to be pretty strong scoring output. So you're going to get your ceiling games. Uh, you're going to get your uh, scoring limit games. But I think it's going to be pretty decent average across the course of the season there, Jet. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm really undecided on short. I, I wouldn't mind starting with him, but I don't, I'm not going to lose too much sleep if I don't start with him. It's, it's either or at the moment, and it's just how other cards fall. Josh Gibkes, actually looking quite solid in defence for the Tigers. I think he's a real chance to debut in round one, Chip. Yeah, I agree. He's he's another one. He's pricey, but you know you get what you pay for, don't you? So can he score highly like the others? Probably not. You, you go a sin ahead of a Gibkes, um, but yeah, it's um, we might be forced our hand again with other options or other limited options, I should say. Hugo Ralph Smith, so starting to settle nicely, entering his third season, uh, looked pretty much okay against the Cats on the weekend. So it's just one of those ones. Let's just park it and see how he goes and see where he fits in that lineup this week with regards to his early season opportunities. Jip. Yeah, for sure, run and dash um, off the half back line, and, and that's a clear role and. Obviously, his strength uses his speed, so definitely looks the part. Never been a high accumulator of the football, and but you know, at two hundred fifty-eight thousand off the top of my head, I, I don't think that matters. I think we're really desperate for value picks and and solid rookie options that or rookie priced options that um, had decent job security, and he's one of them. Okay, Shy Bolton. So maybe see a little bit more forward usage this year with Martin seeing a higher midfield usage. So that could be the thing. So just keep an eye out for that. See his role uh, come out this week uh, in the Amy Community Series. But uh, the other one to keep an eye on for Shy Bolton to see how much midfield usage he does see is Jack Ross. So I think he might be might be time to get him in that team for the Tigers and give him the opportunity through that midfield. So. You know, it's just a lot of things to play out still here for the Tigers, but Shy Bolton, uh, for, for me, it's a, it's definitely a no, uh, potentially increased forward usage this year, Jeff. Yeah, no for me too. It, you, we can't rely on him, and it's again, it's about consistency, and I don't think you'll get that from him. Okay, we recorded this podcast on Tuesday night, March the 1st, so obviously take into consideration when news comes to hand and make necessary adjustments. So... Uh, my final words going into the Amy Community Series is, okay, we've seen what we've seen last week, park that information, put it into your player profiles, but this week will give us a fair indication of where players sit in the team and what order they sit in certain midfields. So, Jep, those are the final thoughts for me, and what are you thinking? Yeah, don't do anything drastic. Just make your notes from the games. Um, have your watch list prior to the games too and, and um, just tick boxes of, of you know, fitness, you know, role, that kind of thing. Don't pay too much attention to the stats and the numbers. Okay, everyone, enjoy this weekend's football and we'll have a stack of information to uh, draw on for next pod. So, Jeb, until then, thanks very much. Thanks, guys.